0: Pastor was kind enough to read that. The, read that uh, the beginning of service, and that helps me a lot uh, getting into the passage. Um, as you're turning there, I, I'm not. I'm not turning away questions yet. I just wanted us to turn there as we're thinking. If you have more questions, I would be happy to answer a couple more. Yes, sir. Um, polar bear attacks. I'm trying to think. Was there? A, have we heard about a hmm no not 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 in our area there have been polar bear attacks not in our area but back in 20 was it 2017 that it happened that the polar bear came in and charged those kids uh in 2017 a polar bear came into town at our town and there was uh like a, a four or five year old kid outside didn't know the polar bear was there and the polar bear was running towards it and a, one of the kid's cousins Rushed out, grabbed them, and brought them inside the house. It was a big hero thing that you know, got a big award for being a hero. But um, but they do they do come into town. They are very dangerous. But, uh, but we've not had anyone hurt by a polar bear yet, thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> How do we heat? Heat mass. Okay, I, I couldn't tell if it's heat or heat. Um, uh, heat. Uh, so we have oil heat. Um, It's essentially a diesel furnace, and uh, it's a very expensive way to heat your house. Uh, Diesel up there is about $10 a gallon, and so it really adds up. Um, And so we also do uh, wood heat, and so we're above the tree line, so I have to go either two hours south to get standing dead wood, or I have to break wood out of the ice in the ocean, driftwood that's come up the McKenzie River. I'll go out, break that up, cut it into lengths, and then bring it home and process it. Um, that's just a normal thing up there. People do, especially in the fall, they do it that way. Um, it's easier to go south and cut standing dead wood and bring it back, but it's a lot more expensive to go south and do that. So it's kind of a toss up, but it saves us a lot of money to burn wood. Any other questions before I get into God's word? Okay. Going Once going twice all right let's open up god's word to mark chapter 4 verse 35 and the same day when the evening was come he saith unto them let us pass over unto the other side and when they had sent away a multitude they took him even as he was in the ship and there were also with him other little ships let's pray lord i thank you for this day and everything you've given us i thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us for loving us when we were unlovable lord i ask you please use your word change us to be more like you Help us to view people the way you view them and help us to be willing to serve you whatever the cost may be, Lord. I ask all these things in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Um, there are a ton of parallels from my message today and what Brother Itaflesh did this morning. In fact, there is a, a message that I, I sometimes preach that's right out of John chapter 11. That's very much in line with where you're at. And I almost use that message and this message interchangeably. And so I'm excited about that. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, it's, the Lord's worked work that out. Um, that said, this isn't the first time I've preached this message. I have preached this message before. It's not, you know, it's not unusual for me to preach this message. However, I'm just excited that, that they, they coincide so well. But here we see Jesus is preaching to a multitude of people a large group. Uh, if you read back further in in chapter four, he's actually standing on a boat preaching to a crowd. He's sitting on the sea in a boat and, and people are there to listen. And he looks over at his disciples and says, Hey, let's go over to the other side of the sea. And his disciples actually have to go through the process of sending away a multitude of people. Now when we see multitude in scripture, typically has the idea of thousands of people. Um, you want to see what a multitude looks like downtown charlotte saturday afternoon it's a multitude okay you see a lot of people um you know get out here on 85 going towards gastonia at you know on any weekday between four o'clock and six o'clock in the in the evening uh, you're going to see a multitude of people um there are churches all around North Carolina that see multitudes every week. And imagine for a moment that Pastor that, that Pastor Flesh is here and he's preaching and all of a sudden into the door comes thousands of people. And people are just stand, standing in room only. People are standing all the place. They're sitting on each other's shoulders to see and to listen. And there's people that are just, just outside. their ear as close to the door as they can so they can hear. Have to open up the windows if they even do open. Open up the windows so people can hear outside because not everyone can fit in here. Now imagine your pastor is preaching to those people. And as he's, he goes through and he's preaching and everybody's here and they're happy to sit here all day long and hear him preach. And he looks around and goes... Well, it's time to go to a little church downtown, down across town. We'll see you guys later. You guys have a nice day. Sends everybody home and he goes to a small little town where there's not really a big crowd. That's an unusual thing. That's a strange thing. And for me, I grew up in Hampton Roads, Virginia. I spent We spent nine years in Shelby, North Carolina and, and back and forth between Gastonia and, and, and Charlotte. We have been around some big crowds of people. Some areas that are really busy that have a tremendous need for the gospel. Um, You could have 500 Baptist churches right here in this region, and it probably still wouldn't be enough to reach the people that are here. There is a need in the multitude, but sometimes the Lord calls people, calls his people away from the multitude. Sometimes the Lord calls his disciples away a lot of times he calls them away from the multitude to spend time with him one on one and grow closer to him. Other times he draws them this hey, we must needs go through Samaria, and he meets one Samaritan woman. Or he takes Philip, who's preaching, and there's a great revival going on, and he takes him to the middle of the desert to meet one Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, We read about the ninety and nine and we sing about the song. The ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. We sing the song. And Jesus leaves at times at ninety nine to go after the one soul. Uh, The woman, the very next story, the woman looking for the one lost coin. She had a bunch of coins. She looked for the one. The Lord puts a value on one soul there's value in the multitude, but the Lord sees a value in, in, in one soul. And at times he calls us to a smaller places. He calls us away from the multitudes. Um, Jesus here, he says, uh, it says that, uh, well, let me, let me st- let me step back a moment. As we read this, it's important for it to understand something. Jesus Christ himself is God. We all know this. I don't have to go through all that detail. We know from John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the the same as the beginning with God. We know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. We know that. We know Jesus Christ is creator God. He's one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. And being God, I believe he within himself had all the attributes of God. Now, he was 100% man. So there were moments, there were times where he purposefully chose to limit himself. However, he had all the power of God at his disposal, all of God's omnipotence, all powerful God. We see it right here, his power over nature. We saw it this morning, his power over death as he uh, raised Lazarus and he raised uh, the widow's child and and uh, uh, the the son of uh, um, Darius. Thank you, Jairus. I can never pronounce it. I always say Garius and Jarius, and I, I change it every time. He's, he raises his son. And uh, and by the way, that happens. We're not going there, but that happens at the end of this chapter. <laughs> but it continue, going on from there, um, uh, we see that he has all that power. Uh, the one thing I'd say maybe we, we, we could debate about is his omnipresence. Could Jesus be in all places at once? Well, he had a physical body, so in that way, no. But for me, we get into semantics. He was 100% God, 100% man. He was one with the Father. He was one with the Holy Spirit. And so in that way, he, as God, was in all places at once. We don't have to get into all that. The point is, he's all-powerful. He had the ability to be at all places at once. But the important thing for me is he is all-knowing. He is omniscient. Jesus Christ as he's here with the multitude and he's preaching to these thousands of people, he knows the need of the multitude, but he also knows what's waiting on the other side of the sea. He sees it ahead of time. There's debate about this storm and we, re- we can read on. It says uh, that he was in the ship with them, uh, and that this great storm comes up uh, and then there, uh, it says here, um, uh, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the rear part of the ship, the, the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Uh, there is debate about where the storm came from. Did the devil send the storm to keep Jesus from getting to the other side? The Bible doesn't say. There's no, no reason for us to, guess, to, to try to figure that out. Was it a coincidence that just so happened that there was a storm that was coming and at the same time Jesus chose to go the other side? the Bible doesn't say. I don't believe in coincidence, but nonetheless, the Bible doesn't say. Um, did God himself send the storm to teach the disciples a lesson? The Bible doesn't say. But what we know is that Jesus Christ is all-knowing God, and with the devil sent it, Jesus knew the devil was going to send it. If it was just a, a natural phenomenon of weather, Jesus knew that natural phenomenon was going to happen. If it was something that came from God, well, Jesus was God, and he knew it was coming. But he knowingly took his disciples across the sea into a storm. There's a passage here, a part of the passage here says, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. Jesus here, number one, the disciples, I keep saying number one. I don't really have a one, two, three one, two, three outline. I just, I just like saying the word number one. The word's number one. So forgive me for saying that over and over again. I'll say number one 10 times. And so forgive me for that. Um, we notice that Jesus uh, 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 was in the ship. The disciples here, I, I like to point this out. They were obedient. They followed Jesus's command. They may not have understood it. They had a whole multitude here to witness to and work with. They didn't need to understand it. They just obeyed him. Uh, But one thing's for sure, Jesus is in the ship, and I could stand here and spend hours preaching on Jesus being in the ship. I'm just going to say this. Be sure what you do, where you go is God's will. Don't just do something on a whim. Don't just say, oh, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. Uh, Oh, I, I have a burden for this, so I need to go do it. Most of the time, if you have a burden for something, the Lord wants you to do something about it. But Pray and make sure the Lord's in it with you before you make a move. Um, but they do. And he goes and he takes his disciples into a dangerous situation. Not just his disciples, but these other little ships as well. It says, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves began into the ship, so it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? We give the disciples a really hard time. Now, Jesus tells us in verse 40, that they lacked faith. They had no faith. He tells us that. And so, yes, they lacked faith, but they did exactly what every one of us should do when we lack faith. They turned to Jesus Christ. Um, I want to be careful saying this because we're still in the field. We praise the Lord that we're there and we praise we're going back. And this is not a criticism of anyone that anyone knows. Do not take it that way at all but I have seen it. You guys have seen it. People say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do what he's called me to do. He's called me to this, that, and the other. And they go in a direction and then they find hardship. They come against some obstacle. And at a moment when they should turn to Christ and say, Lord, help me. They turn away and run. The disciples could have just turned the ship around. Jesus was asleep in the back. Don't wait, Jesus. Don't bother him with this. We'll go back to the shore and we'll talk to him about it when we get back. We'll get back to the shore and we'll tell him about the storm. And we'll, we'll, just, we'll show him, you know, Lord, the storm was there. We couldn't do it. I hear so many people say, and, and, and listen, the Lord closes doors, I understand. The the Lord's will is day by day, and there's moments he changes people's direction and puts them in different places. But there are so many people I've seen, and so many people I know, that they're serving the Lord, and they're doing things for him. Maybe they're even in full-time Christian service. Maybe they're they're pastoring a church, or they're going, and they're they're going out as a missionary. And they go out, and a door closes. And they say, oh, the door closed. It's not God's will anymore. And they walk away. And they walk away from God what could have very well been God's will in their life. I don't like the term, the door, you know, doors closing. My, my question is always this, the door closed. Well, did you check the doorknob? <laughs> like, did you, did you turn it a little bit? Did you give it a little push and make sure, you know? Was, or did you, did you? I'm not one of those guys, like, the door closes, find a window. I'm not one of those guys. But nonetheless, like, did you knock for a little while and wait? I don't know if you've ever done, I mean, I don't know if you do it a lot now or not, but door to door. You go out and you're witnessing to somebody. You're knocking on a door. You're trying to, or maybe you're just going over to somebody's house to visit them. What do you do? You ring the doorbell and you wait and you wait and you wait. I heard me. So you knock on the door really hard and you wait and you wait. Hmm. Ring the doorbell one more time. Yeah, I heard the doorbell. The dog's barking. Okay. And you wait. Well, you know what we do whenever, a lot of times what we do is we start serving the Lord and we come up against difficulty, a door gets shut in our face and we go up, oh, oh well, and we turn around and walk away. We don't do that with anything else. Well, have, you ever, have you ever sent someone a text message and they didn't respond back right away? And you wait a little bit and you, you glance, and they haven't responded back yet. They haven't responded back yet. Maybe you text them again, hey, everything okay? They didn't respond back yet. Maybe I should call them. So you actually make the phone call and you call them. We are so much more persistent with our day-to-day stuff than we are with God's will. We are with with serving the Lord. Uh, The Lord leads them to go across the sea. The storm comes up. They're scared. They know they can't handle it. And so they run to the master. They run to the one person that they know who can. They don't turn around. They They don't get scared and leave. They get scared, and they go to Jesus. Um, we talked about it a little bit. Rosario gave me one of his stickers. Here, you got one of the stickers here. I gave him a sticker last time we were here because my kids and I ride bikes around, and I have a sticker. And I, we, you, you talked about the bikes last night in the car. These twenty-inch BMX bikes. We have a lot of fun. We go to skate parks. We go to uh, dirt tracks and. Uh, trails and dirt jumps and everything else I'm not good at it but I enjoy it okay I really enjoy it but there's 20 inch bikes these little bikes and I look like a bear on a bicycle it doesn't look like I should be on this bike I don't look I I don't look like I fit on it but I but I do I enjoy it and the kids ride with me Justine even rides some as well and we have a good time Um, but we first started going Lincoln was just off training wheels just barely off training wheels and uh, we were at a skate park in Virginia Beach. And we were having a good time. It was a great big deep bowl. And we were going around and carving it, uh, trying not to fall. And I had fallen a lot that day. I had grease all over me from working on the bikes. I was sweaty. I was gross. My beard was all disheveled and out like this. I was bloodied up from where I'd fallen down. My hands had blood on them all down my arms. But I was having fun. And my son comes to me. And he goes, Daddy, I want to go to that end of the park. Well, I said, well, go ahead. Well, there were skaters over there, teenagers that were over there. He said, no, no, you go with me. I said, well, you go ahead. It's okay. No, no, Daddy, you, you go with me. He said, okay, I'll go with you. But listen, there are skaters over there. Don't run into anybody. Don't cut anybody off. You go over there. You just be careful. Watch where you're going. Don't get in anyone's way. I'll be right behind you. Okay. And so he starts rolling down the hill. He was scared. He was nervous. But then he looks back at me. He sees me behind him, and he just takes off. Like, quick. And he's cutting everybody off. Swerving in and out of people. And so, so, like, he almost knocks one skateboarder over. The skateboarder stops and almost slams into him. And, and I yell at my son, look out! What do you think you're doing? Watch where you're going! And I'm yelling at him. And this skater turns and looks, and he sees me sweaty, grimy, bear-like man, sweating, drool rolling out of my mouth, Blood running down my hands, screaming as I'm barreling towards him. I'm sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. A little skinny teenager. You know. I'm sorry. He said, forgive me. I said, no, 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 not you. I'm not my kid. It went on. Now look, here's the thing. Lincoln by himself was scared to death of those kids. But when he saw me behind him, his daddy, he was fearless fearless to the point of recklessness he got scared for a moment but they looked back at me and he was filled with confidence and he went he did things he shouldn't have done but he went to his full bore ahead listen i am not the biggest guy in the world i'm not the scariest guy in the world i'm not the strongest guy in the world i'm not the toughest guy in the world but my son trusts me and my son knew that I wasn't going to allow anything bad to happen to him. But if something bad did happen, I would take care of it. And he knew that. And he trusted me enough. Now, you and I serve a God that is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. And we serve a God like that. And as we serve him, for some reason, we don't have the trust in him, and an all-powerful, almighty God that my six-year-old son had in his imperfect, weak father. I wish I had that kind of faith in my Lord, that I wasn't scared of things, that things didn't stop me. They go to the hymn, and as we read earlier, it says, and he arose and rebuked the wind, in verse 39, and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, we have had some very small storms in ministry, okay? Everybody goes through issues. Everybody goes through difficulties. Our family has had some very small ones. Uh, In in the grand scheme of things, when you see what other people have gone through, we haven't gone through a lot, but we've gone through some. The first thing, the most difficult thing, I think, going on the field, we knew it's cold, okay? We knew we were going somewhere that's cold. We knew we were going somewhere where alcohol and drug addiction was was difficult. We knew we were going somewhere where the 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 sun sets in December. Oh sorry, in November. The sun sets in November and doesn't come up again until the middle of January. We have have a little over a month and a half where the sun does not rise at all. We knew that going up there. We were okay with that. Um, That's just where the Lord called us. Okay, that's interesting. That's not a problem. We knew there was a month and a half or so where the sun never set and it was daylight all the time. We knew the bugs were bad in the summer. Those were things that didn't bother us. I'll tell you what bothered us. Quitting a job and traveling all over the U.S. and southern Canada, and asking churches to support us and help us and take us up there. That scared me to death. I got to quit a job that pays me every month because I have, have, you know, insurance and everything else. I got to quit a job and just go and trust the Lord and ask other people to support me. That was terrifying and humbling, by the way. You, you, You haven't been humbled until you spend 10 hours a day calling every pastor you can. Every pastor tells you no thank you and hangs up on you. And you're just begging them, please let me come to your church. <laughs> please let me talk to your people. That was the first storm we had to deal with and it was it was a little rough. We got up north and, and by the way, the first two years or so were great. Never had a real issue, I don't think. Yeah, it got a little, a little expensive. <laughs> we, we, we had some tight moments, financially speaking, but the Lord took care of us, and we were enjoying time, but then we had some disappointments in the ministry, some people weren't who we thought they were, and we were betrayed by some folks, and I can't get into all of it, but there was some, there was some dark spiritual presences that that were there, presence, there was a dark spiritual presence that was there in that family, and it, it, it bothered us, and there were issues, I can't get into all of it, but that was hard to deal with. Shortly after that, Justine had health issues. She had, well, she had we had a baby. Uh, she she had to be flown out. We talked about it last night with the eye to flesh. So we can talk to you more about it in detail. She had to be medevaced at Christmas time to have our, our our youngest child, and that was something that was hard on us. She'd be gone at Christmas. Um, my wife has been a huge blessing. That my wife looks like the people of the in the Arctic. My wife looks like an indigenous lady. She is not. Her mom's Filipino uh, Filipina lady and, and uh, her dad is a white guy. And so, uh, you know, that came together and Justine looks like the people you saw in the video. She looks just like the ladies. And so that helps us a lot. People will come to her and hey, whose daughter are you? You're from here, right? And she has to explain, no, no, I'm not from here. But sometimes it's negative when we go further south because there's still a lot of racism towards indigenous people in, in the Arctic. And so she got to the hospital and the nurses, this isn't the first time we experienced something like this, but this was the worst. The nurses did not treat my wife well. They were very unkind. The doctors were very unkind uh, for 10 days while she was there by herself. And Justine was miserable, was tired as anybody would be, sad she couldn't be with her kids at Christmas, and being mistreated and just talked down to by every single person there. Until one observant nurse looked at her charts and saw you're from the US? Yeah. You're not indigenous? No. My mom's Filipina. Oh. And she left and suddenly all the nurses started being sweet and kind. We had been lined up with the Ronald McDonald House. And we were going to go to the Ronald McDonald House to stay there. And they were going great, by the way, that, I'm not talking about the corporate, that one was, there was an issue. I get a call the day before we're supposed to be there. We're sorry, we don't have room. There's all kinds of different things that happened. And I so, said, oh, okay, well, no problem. But they, they had something for us, a gift for us. So I went by to pick up the gift. And they looked at me and they said, hold on a second. You're from Tuck? Yeah. You're a white guy. Yeah, well, I passed her up there. Is, is your wife indigenous? No, no, she's Filipina. Her mom's Philippines, and we're both from the U.S., And they looked me up and down and they go, oh, okay. And I left out of there, thought that was weird. That was a weird, you know, interaction. The next morning, first thing, I get a call saying, looks like we have room for you after all. You can come on in. We said, no, thank you. (laughs) We didn't go. We didn't think that was something that we were going to have to experience. Justine experiences. I'm just, I'm just there along, along for the ride. And that was hard. And that was hard to deal with. These were issues we didn't expect. We didn't see those storms. Again, these are small things in comparison to what some other people deal with. But at one point, we just had to say, you know what, Lord, I, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. But, Lord, you can be glorified in it, and, and we trust you. We had to turn to him. And here's the thing. The Lord was able to use it, Now I'll get into how he used it in a moment. The Lord is able to use these circumstances for his glory and to help us. And we've been able to see his power in our lives because we went through those situations. The disciples look and they see Jesus come out in the front of the boat and say, peace be still. And they look at you, what manner of man is this? Wow, they got to see the power of God firsthand, but not only them. And I don't have time to get into all of it, but we read earlier. So going to read a little bit. And they came over into the country, to the uh, other side of uh, the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him a man out of the, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give a uh, synopsis here. A man comes out of the tombs, out of the tombs and mountains, is, is the area he was in. And he comes down and he falls down at Jesus' feet. Now, there's debate on this. Um, he, he falls down and worships at his feet. There's debate on what that means by worship. Does this mean he fell down at his feet? Does it mean that he actually worshiped God? What he, what he says here, he asked Jesus to leave him alone. Um, but if we read in verse 8, I believe this is the same. If I'm mistaken on this, give me a, a nod if I'm wrong. For he... Uh, said, come out of the man, unclean spirit. That's there. For he said uh, unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So the man comes, falls down at Jesus' feet, and Jesus says, come out, thou unclean spirit. And then the man says, depart from me. Now, we know the story the, he asked the the, the, the the unclean spirit's name, legion for we are many, many meaning thousands, or, or, or legion meaning thousands. Jesus just asked a multitude of people that wanted to hear him preach the gospel to go into a multitude of demons. And these people don't want, these demons don't want anything to do with him. But this man came and ran out of the mountains and the tombs and fell down at Jesus' feet to worship him. Jesus says, come out, and they, they say, Please don't, don't send us away. Send us into the, the swine over there. So Jesus does. I don't know why he obliged them in that way, but he does. He sends them to the swine. 2,000 swine, 2,000 pigs go running off a steep place, probably a cliff of some sort, down into the sea, and they drown in the sea. Keepers of the pigs go, and they run to tell people in town. The people in town come back to see their barbecue is gone. And they come back, and they look and see what happened. Well, there's the man who had the unclean spirit clothed and in his right mind. Understand, this man with an unclean spirit had probably spent most of his life dealing with the repercussions of these, of these spirits, hearing voices, dealing with these things, never having a moment of peace in his life. The Bible says that they bound him up with chains and, and with uh, 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 fetters or um, uh, 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 shackles, and they, they try to shackle him up and to, to keep him tame. I imagine that wasn't their first attempt. Now, this isn't in Scripture, but I imagine that was a last resort to shackle him up. I am sure there was some type of a counselor that tried to help him. I am sure there was some kind of a religious leader that tried to pray over him and help him in some way. But nothing was working. Until finally, they they, they said, we can't do anything with him. They try to lock him up, and that doesn't help him either. He breaks loose of those, and he goes and isolates himself in the mountains and in the tombs, cutting himself day and night naked screaming you know what you can go down parts in parts of charlotte i remember cuz we used to we used to go out that way and you find people who couldn't find peace in their life as much as they searched for it and tried to find it and they couldn't quiet the voices in their head and quiet their addictions and so uh, they try you know maybe they've been in and out of the system they've been in and out of the corrections facilities they've been locked up they've been in rehabilitation and none of it works And so they isolate themselves away from their friends and their family, and you see them along the streets cutting themselves, harming themselves, shooting things into their arm that are not going to help them, that's going to cause more harm, trying to find peace, trying to find joy, and they're not going to find it. This man is up in the mountains in the tombs trying to find the joy that he can, just trying to stop the voices in his head. And he looks out at the sea and he sees a whole storm swirling around and little ships about to be sunk. I don't know if he was watching it, hoping they'd sink. I don't know if he was watching it, worried about the ships, but he does, I believe he watched, I believe he had a front row seat, could see the sea as it was swirling around. And he looks out and he sees one man come out to the front of a ship Right as the ships are about to sink, one man comes to the front of the ship, and I don't know if he could hear Jesus or not, but he sees that man come out the front of the ship and say something. We know Jesus says, Peace be still, and peace falls over the entire sea, and this man sees it, and he says, Wow, if that man, whatever manner of man it is, if that man can calm the entire sea and the waves and the storm, maybe he can calm the voices that are inside and he runs down out of the tombs, and he falls down at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus does. We see him clothed in his right mind, and there at the, end of the, at the very end, we see that every other person in town asked Jesus to leave. Everyone says, when they saw, saw it, told them, uh, verse 16, how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and was also concern, and also concerning the swine, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. No one else wanted anything to do with Jesus. They saw what had happened and then they they rejected him. Um, I don't want to get into all this, but uh, everybody who parties and drinks, everybody who goes out and parties and drinks and does drugs, no matter how social and controlled it may be, they have a friend that they're worried about. They have this one friend that they know that, you know, I party and I do things that I probably shouldn't do, but that guy has a real problem. And they stage interventions for that guy. They try to help that guy get into rehab. That guy's in and out of jail, and they say that guy's going to kill himself someday. He's going to do something foolish, and it's going to be bad. And I and they worry about that one guy. And then something happens. That one guy, he goes through all these things. He doesn't get any help that works. But one day, somebody comes to him and shares the gospel with him. And one day, he puts his trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And his life is changed from the inside out, slowly but surely. He's sanctified to be more like Christ. And he 's clean, sober. He goes back to his friends, his friends go, "Wow, what happened? you're doing so good? You look great, you've gained weight, and you're doing man, I'm so glad that you're clean I'm so glad that you got some help. What did you do? Well, you know that church down the road? Oh never mind. Well, you know you, you don't believe this. Somebody came by with a Bible and showed me how I could put my trust in Christ, and Jesus changed me oh, well that, that's good, okay. Well, well, you have a good day, and they, they, their friends tend to abandon them. Can I tell you, these people saw the change in this man's life, and they said, wow, I'm so happy for you, but man, we really wanted to have bar- a barbecue this weekend. Uh, uh, I'm glad you're you're doing better, but at what cost? Uh, I can't just give up my bacon. I mean, it's essentially what it was. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus, so Jesus obliges again he leaves us when he was coming to the ship he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him howbeit Jesus suffered him not but said unto him go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee uh, and we read on it says and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel the next time we read about the town of Decapolis there are believers. There are people who are ready to trust Christ. Listen, one man, Jesus left a multitude, endangered the lives of all of his disciples and these other little ships, humanly speaking, to go to one single man. And then he used that one man to win an entire town. I don't know what storms are in your life, what storms you've been through, what storms you're going to go through. Um, I just know if you're in God's will, you're going to come against some storms. You're going to come against some difficulties at times. I don't know what they are, and I don't know why. We can pretend we know why good things, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. We really don't know. The book of Job is all about that, and God never really gives us an answer. He never says, well, Job, this is Why? Job's just left wondering. What I do know is, whatever his purposes are in putting us in bad situations, whenever he, by the way, Paul, the moment he was saved, God said at the very beginning that he would show him what great things he must suffer for his namesake. It was God's will that Paul would suffer from the time he first got saved. I don't know why. I don't believe God causes all suffering. I don't believe he causes much of the suffering at all. But I do believe that God allows us in his perfect will to go through suffering, to go through hardships, to go through difficulty. I don't know why, but I know that if we trust him, we turn to him at those times, we don't give up and run away. And we turn to him and trust him in those situations and continue to trust and obey our Savior in those difficulties. We can see his power in our own life. We can see the Lord's power in our life. But not just us, but the people around us can see the Lord work through those situations. Now, I mentioned my wife going through the stuff that she went through at at the hospitals. And it was horrible. We didn't know why. And this was discouraging. And we didn't want to be there anymore. When all that happened, we didn't want to be there anymore. But you know what happened when we got back? Some other things happened along the way, too. I can't get into all of it. The ladies were coming to her and talking to her. Oh, wow, that's what we go through too. Oh, wow, that's something we dealt with. I started having people come to me with questions. People coming to us at times of need because they realized that, well, they've been through some things too. They've dealt with this. They'll listen. There are opportunities that we've had that we never would have had if Life was easy and it wasn't a storm. I can't get in all the storms. I can't get in all the blessings that have been. But can I tell you that the Lord can use these storms, the difficulties, the hardships in our lives, not just to show his power to us in our own lives, but to point people around us to him that don't have that peace that passes all understanding, that don't have that joy that you and I have. Let's just allow the Lord to work, even in those hard times, even in those hardships, um, four times in the passage you read this morning, Jesus is called a friend or a lover of Lazarus. He loved Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend. But can I tell you, he allowed Lazarus to suffer and God was glorified through it. And I imagine Lazarus wouldn't trade anything for it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for saying everything us I thank you for sending your son down on the cross for us and loving us. We're lovable. Lord, I ask you, please work through our lives today. Help us to trust you. Help us to obey you, no matter what the circumstances. Allow us to go through the storms and point people to you, Lord. I ask you to allow us to do your will, even when it is scary, Lord. I ask all these things in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Amen.